Good evening, everybody. This is uh, Matt Dimarinas. I forgot my name for a second, sorry. I was thinking about introducing you first, but then I said myself. So this is Matt Dimarinas from White and Blue Review. That's Johnny Atawa sitting next to me from the Omaha World Herald. I'm here. We are going to do a podcast after Creighton's 110-60 win, because it counts, right? Yes. Okay, so we think it counts against Coe College. It counts. Co, it doesn't count for Coe, though. Oh, okay, it doesn't count for Coe. Mm-hmm. So do their stats count? Because they, like, shot the three ball. Right? I know. They kind of would want it to count, yeah. but I don't think it does. It's an exhibition game for Coe. Oh, that sucks. Well, sorry, Coe. I hope you enjoyed 16 the 16-3. Either way, it was a 50-point win. A lot of threes went in. Creighton hit a school record, um, much to John Sugarin. Uh, 22 threes. None of just my Also a big East record. It is mine. I'm, I'm giving him a hard time. I agree with him that there should be an asterisk next to it, too. Because it knocks the 21-3 legendary Villanova game off its perch. It, it just it um, doesn't. Which doesn't feel like, you know, you felt like you were watching something legendary when that happened. And this one you felt like you were and watching. And it doesn't diminish the legacy of that game. It but, shouldn't. But it does but knock it, it out of there. Right. The so, record book, when you turn to most three-pointers made in a big e- by a Big East team, is now going to read... Mm-hmm. 22 against Coe College instead of 21 over Villanova. Yeah. I think the, per, the prestige of it is that Creighton did both of them. So like there's, I like, guess that's true. Yeah. So there's like a standard there that's being set that Creighton is just the standard bearer for setting Big East record for threes made in a game. Um, but yeah, they went 22 at 37 tonight. Honestly, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this game because there's not a lot to take away from it. I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like games like this create more bad habits than good habits just because you can kind of get away with more stuff and it might get in your head that that's how easy it is and filter over from there. So Yeah, your athleticism sometimes yeah. and talent just sort of... I mean, Martin could have scored 60 tonight. Yes. I mean, he could have scored in every touch practically, but... Yeah, so we won't spend too he much time on that. did, didn't he? I know, right? Like there, he yeah, Martin and... He missed two shots, but one of them I remember he just got... <laughs> I mean, he got absolutely obliterated. <laughs> he fouled so hard. He did. There but was, it was three one, guys on his arm. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those games where they were like, like you know, blood Blood will maybe warrant a whistle. Yeah, they didn't maybe. call a foul what, until like three And I'm not complaining. Left yeah, that, yeah that no, was fine. That first half went by quick. Yeah. But yeah, Martin Crample and Sam Froling had 35 points on 16 of 20 shooting combined. <laughs> and they hit three threes between them, so they were stepping out and knocking them down. Um... I don't know. I guess what do you want to assess from tonight? What's something that you're like, okay, they did that well. That that could carry over, I guess. I thought ball movement was good. Ball movement I was mean, good. when you hit jump shots, a lot of times you're going to have a lot of assists because normally, especially in this offense, I mean, you're usually passing into a jumper mm-hmm. and creating for one another. And so you know, 29 assists obviously looks like a great number. And I don't know, I just... I thought it, there were a few possessions where I was almost sort of like marveling at, oh, that was a really nice pass, or that was a really good. Yeah, there was they, some, were, they shared. There it really were a couple well good no look passes for sure. Yeah, I that one. There was one possession where uh, Marcus Zagorowski was leading the break. It might have been like a three on two break, and I immediately sort of like perked up out of my seat. Like, what's gonna happen here? This is gonna be fun. I think he dished to Balik no look, and then Balik hit. Alexander in the corner for a three. There was another possession I kind of nudged you, or like in the second half that was really good. I said it was. My, at it the was time, your favorite possession. It was of the my game. favorite possession what, of the game, but now I can't remember gosh, what, what happened. happened on it. Um, I got it noted in my uh, in my scorebook, but I remember I you said that was your favorite possession. Yeah, it was very nice. It ended in a three, but uh, so memorable. I can't remember what it was. Right. Dang it! <laughs> exactly. I do, so remember, I, guess, I do remember you saying that though. Yeah, I guess Marcus Zagorowski's was my favorite. I was thrown off because the next possession, like, the next possession was a, or two possessions later was a re- offensive rebound by Damian, a no look pass to Mitch on the baseline, and a quick like shovel wrap over around to, pass to yeah to Sam for Sam's, a layup. Yeah, and that one was like, oh, that was impressive too. So maybe I forgot the one you said because of that one. And I, I apparently I did too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I, I don't know. They moved the ball well, and obviously they made some shots. And, and I think so. it was, I think making shots was probably a good thing because they probably wanted to just. See the ball go in yeah, after ex- going seven ex- for thirty. So expunge all the negative vibes that might have yeah. been lingering. Although Basketball players are rhythm athletes, it doesn't. Like you I mean, I, you were at practice. I was not at practice on Wednesday, but you were, and I, I got. I, I don't know. Just talking to the players at the game, I got the sense that they weren't really too shook up about no. missing twenty three of their thirty threes, missing their first twelve from the floor against Oklahoma. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like 
I yeah, mean, nobody Mitch w- came out and I, when they were stretching, he was like, "Put on a shooting clinic last night, Matt." Like, so he was like, "He's already sort of yeah, joking around." He was kind of yeah. trying to play his way out of it, yeah. So, and he spent freaking like almost two hours after after practice shooting. Uh, so he's trying to. It was just. He's definitely doing what he does. You know, we know how hard he works. Well, and uh, you to asked wash that off. So. Yeah, and you asked both at the press conference. You asked Davy Davion and Samson about it, and like Samson just was like. Shrugged a little bit. He's like, I don't know. I, I, I tried just, to forget it after the game. Yeah, I just yeah. forgot. As soon as the game was over, I was done. Oh gosh, I hope not. Cause that's not gonna be a good interview post game. <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, but literally, I think that was sort of the mentality for a mm-hmm. while. It's like obviously you don't, you know, you take what you can from that game against Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. um, at least from a confidence standpoint, you don't let it affect you. And so, and yeah, I think they are. Sign. I think they do believe that they are getting close too. Like I think they think they're doing a lot of the. Right, I think they know that they're doing things incorrectly that need to be corrected. But I also think they know they're doing a lot of good things that are going to eventually build a solid foundation that they can build off of to get to an NCAA tournament. Whether it's this year, they, they think they can do it. We'll see. Yeah. But that's the end goal, you know, to get back there. Um, Marcus Zagorowski, career-high 20 points, right? Is it a career-high, right? Yes. Okay. I that's what I wrote uh, in my yeah, story. So great. hopefully that is accurate. Yeah. 20 points, 6 of 9 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. Um, he hits the. He comes back in. Jordan Scurry got hurt late in the game, had to go out. So Marcus checked back in and hit a step back three for the twenty second and the record breaker. Yep. Um, At the end of the shot clock. Yeah, it was a nice play. Yep. He had like a little. It was like a little sidestep fadeaway type of step back. So yeah, he was impressive tonight because I think a lot of his shots were there weren't much space. So for him to knock down as many as he did. Um, considering how mo- how well most of them were guarded, I thought uh, that's <laughs> just, pretty impressive. I just remember there was one play in the first half where uh, Co switched to a zone, and I heard Coach Greg McDermott like yell out the play call, and Davion Mintz made one pass to Marcus Zagorowski, who fired up the three, and it was in. <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, don't really need to run plays against no, today." <laughs> don't. Like, I mean, I mean they had like they had Jordan Curry setting like four man pick and pop ball screens at the end, like, and it was like, no, Jordan, that'll set the screen like they did, because he'd never done that before. Right, not, yeah. Not a four guy, so, yeah, they were, it was a weird game, man. There's not, like, there's not a whole lot structurally to take from it, but, you know, it was a get-right game. They had to see some shots go in, they had to play some defense, get out and run a little bit, just to, you know, just get the mojo back. So that's what this game served um, in terms of its purpose, but... Bad things. 15 turnovers, I feel like, is something we can definitely highlight as not good. I do think that some of those came at the sort of in the second half when it was the starters were off the floor and it was maybe a different lineup. Mm. No? You don't think so? No, because I think they were well spread out. Maybe you're right. Well, they had six. Davion hit one in 18 minutes. Tyshawn had two in 17. Martin, one in 11. Mitch, two in 20. They were pretty well spread out, turnovers. But yeah, the bench. I mean, Scurry 2, Zagorowski 2, Caleb 2, Froling 2. So, yeah, you're right. The bench did have the majority of them. But I thought I thought, I felt like they just were... I, they only had six in the first half, right? Turnovers yes. and then... Yeah. Correct, yeah. I don't want to discount it because, like, it's been a problem. I don't want to because, yeah. Uh, yeah it's been a problem I mean. all year, so yeah. I don't want to act like, oh, no, I don't have any concern. Uh, I was just kind of making that point. But, yeah, it, like, I don't know, man. I think it is going to be something that lingers. I mean, we're 11 games in right now, and so... I, well, I think Creighton was trending in a positive direction from a turnover perspective mm-hmm. um, after maybe the first six games. Like, it, it, that turnover rate was dropping a little bit, but it, I didn't think that they had fully fixed it. And it doesn't appear that, I mean, after this week, that they have. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just going to be part of this team's DNA. So the counter to that is then they have to be a better assist percentage team? Move the ball more. You would take think. care of it better yeah. instead of because if you're going to turn the ball over a lot, you don't want to play as much one on one either, right? right? So that's and you know what the other thing too. It's really hard. To this, the weird thing about this team, and this is going to like this is the theme for me for a lot of these things like turnovers, free throw shooting, um, being in the right spot defensively, and and kind of collectively protecting the rim, I guess, or or collectively keeping guys from making drives straight to the bucket. Um, it's that's it's like twofold. It's guarding the ball and then also 
being in help position. How much better can this team get at those things? Good question. Because, you know, do I don't think we know that yet. Either. I, yeah, and that's that's the question because mm-hmm. a, a lot of times with a with a veteran team, you would think. I mean, by this time you sort of know this is who they are, and with the but with the young team and with those like in those like when we're talking about turnovers and free throws, turnovers. Some of the turnovers that they've made are unforced, sort of. In my opinion, a lot of them, at least against Oklahoma, were were they hadn't seen this style before. The way that Oklahoma pressured wasn't new, but like some of the things they did in terms of their ball screen coverage and. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they ran Creighton off the three-point line, I think that was different. And some of the length that Oklahoma had, had, they had one dude who was playing the four who was just, like, super long, and they used him to guard the ball at times, guard the point guard spot. So, like, there are – it seems like some of the mistakes that Creighton is making are related to inexperience. And so you wonder if they get more reps – can they fix some of those with, literally with just by playing more games? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. So you're talking that. about just turnovers, right? Well, I was talking about turnovers. I still think free throws is more of a mental thing of like yeah. getting out there and, and doing it, proving to yourself in one, the heat of the moment that you can do it. One anecdote on that, I guess, from the free throw perspective is Mac spent a considerable, I wouldn't say a lot of time, but a considerable amount of time with Martin Krampel specifically. Damian Jefferson was another one on their technique at the free throw line, uh, you know, just having it all be kind of one motion, you know, off your tippy toes and where your elbow is and how it how it rises, how it rotates, all that. Like, it was very thorough, you know, it was a very thorough. And Mac is a really good kind of, you know, offenses tend, tends to be his thing. We say offense is what he does, but... In terms of being a shot doctor, he's really good at that too. Like he, I'm always, I'm he's al- really good at working guys' mechanics and getting no them doubt. to I sit, improve in that I sat area. next to him at times in practice, and maybe him and I are having a conversation. And suddenly, he'll like say something to one of his players about like fading mm-hmm. in a certain direction or or um, the release point or something. Like mm-hmm. he's, I feel he's like got he's tweaks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like he, I, there's no way he's pay, he, he's not 100 percent of his focus is definitely not on that because right. we're having we're talking. But it's like he can just see it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's. Imp- I, I think that yeah. He like you're right. He, yeah. he has a. So that was something they, that was something they it. focused on yesterday, and then Martinez steps to the line, and misses the first two off the, misses only two off the back off the back iron, yeah. uh, and Mac just kind of shook his head because he kind of shot him the old way, not the way they worked on yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. At that area, it's a focus thing because you're being taught the way to do it. And after they were taught that way, the free throws started. I mean, they were hitting. Martin was hitting had like free throw streaks going. Damian had free throw streaks going. So you could see, here's the advice, execute it, and it works. Yeah. So like there was that whole reinforcement of, okay, here's what I'm being told, and then there's the result, and then just when the game started, it didn't translate. So it's a lack of focus, and it, it is a mental thing. Yeah, I totally agree. So, I think yeah, and I think it's just something where you have to work through it. Mm-hmm. And if you're you're Creighton with a lot of the things that it's going through from a growth standpoint, Creighton hopes that these guys will work through it faster than like it won't take them the full season to to fix it. Because yeah. when I look at I think about that game against Oklahoma, I'm thinking about that because it's just fresh in my mind. Like the turnovers that were made, or the the reasons why Creighton wasn't able to get over the hump against Oklahoma or stay in that game in the first half. It just seemed a lot of it was just um, it was related to guys just not being comfortable in that situation and not being fully aggressive or fully in attack mode or fully confident in their movements or or, uh, where they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And Greg McDermott's talked about over the last couple weeks about seeing guys maybe thinking too much and hesitating a little bit too much because they it's like they know where they need to be, but they haven't yet gotten to the point where it's um, it just sort of happens naturally, almost instinctual, where instead of that split second of your mind saying, okay, I need to be here, you, there's a point in, in sort of the development of a player where it's just 
seamless. That it, it, the thought process is instantaneous, and they're and they're already sort of moving out. Yeah, it's or, just say see do type of deal, or see say do. Yeah, um, man, there was a. I'm gonna butcher it because I'm pulling it off the top of my head, but like John Beeline. Man, I might have to ask our buddy Kevin Kugler about it because I think he brought it up on a on a broadcast with John B- doing one of Michigan's games about John Beeline talking about there's four stages of development or four stages of learning. And the final stage is where you're like unconsciously competent, where you, you understand what you need to do and where you need to be, and it's an unconscious sort of process. Of so obviously you're talking about muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there, there are stages before that are are like unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, and it kind of progresses that yeah, way to, yeah. to where you're just okay. not thinking and you're understanding. Yeah. But Matt talked about that tonight, though. Is that what you're getting? At? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's okay. like I think that they're kind of in that. They're not at the stage yet where I think I think they're in the stage where they understand. I think mm-hmm. a lot of guys do. Maybe at the start of the year they may not have understood. Um, they might have just been kind of doing what they were told, but not fully getting the full concept. But I think that. It seems like now that they have film and in-game experience that they understand, but it's they're still thinking. It's still yeah, trying to get over that. So, um, it's interesting because you don't know how long that's going to take. And I asked I asked uh, Greg kind of that question about when does like what when does that when do they cross over this? When do they advance in the next stage? Yeah, and and he was and just, it becomes more natural. He was just like it takes reps. Some guys are different than others. Mm-hmm. So that to me is like, that's that's what's kind of stood out to me over the last few games, especially against you know Nebraska and Oklahoma, because those teams have veterans and you watch how they react to, watch how they react to adversity. You watch how they react to sort of um, a mistake or two. And they, you can tell that they have been through sort of the battles and the grind of it. And, mm-hmm. Um, that they sort of are really... That even when they make mistakes, they know why, and they, and and, they don't have to compound them. And yeah. they're certain and, like, confident in what they do. Mm-hmm. And so that... They're also good. <laughs> that's no, one that's, thing. Yeah, that's they're important. talented. That's an important but, base. But, yeah, it yeah. just... it just That's stood out to me over the last mm-hmm. two games as Creighton's sort of, like... I mean... Coach McDermott said after the game today that they've had to, over the past couple weeks, return to some of the fundamental things within their defense, uh, concepts and principles that they're reviewing that they probably would not, well, not probably, they would not, definitely not be reviewing at this point in the season with a with a veteran team. But Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think it's unique either because we, I, we've heard Max say that before about different teams. I think the one that comes to mind – I want to say fifteen, sixteen. That team had had to hit a reset button around this time, actually. Yeah. Because I remember, I think Kyrie Thomas's freshman year, Christmas practice was bad. Um, he was really not grasping the idea that it's not like you've got defensive ability and anticipation skills that aren't that you can't teach everybody. But not how he didn't know how to use his weapons. You know what I mean? Like he had all these tools, but you know he reached a lot and fouled, or he didn't move his feet quick enough, or you know he didn't understand ball screen coverages and all that. Like, and that and and I think that point it frustrated him. And he didn't recover from that his freshman year, but it clicked after that, and he became obviously the two time defensive player of the year. But you know at this point in the year there are it, it is this is a it's not new for a young group. An experienced group, especially with new pieces and new places, to have to go through kind of a fundamental reset and reinforce some of the things that are important to just the basic things they try to take away. Um, so defensively, we'll see how quickly this team can grasp and grasp those fundamentals and take them and process them from game to game to the point where they can not have to focus as much on them day-to-day in practice and not to spend as much time to where they can kind of advance themselves as a basketball team. Um, so that'll be the growth. That'll be the next stage of their growth, I guess, is in, if that's what you're yeah. trying to talk about here. That's, that's, that yeah. was sort of my thought. Yep. And then I think, you know, the next thing, I mean, they gave There's some growth, too, offensively as well. 
but um, they're obviously they're closer to that, and yeah, and it looks a lot better when they make the threes. Yeah, that's like their. What do we call that? What's the thing that hides your weaknesses? Masking. Yeah, I don't know. Agent. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, the threes kind of like make them better than they could, make them look better than they are. Maybe sometimes, sometimes because if definitely. they hit a lot of them, they can. The other areas of the game aren't as noticeable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, should we talk about Davion at all? I don't think I know enough about his, what his, I kind of want to dive into his, some of the film on how he's taking guys away, because I don't think I've watched that enough. Do you have anything, insight you want to talk? Because we both think he's kind of emerging as this team's stopper, Whether what, what caliber of stopper that is will be tested yeah. in conference play, but. We think he's kind of emerging as the guy, right? We both feel comfortable saying that. Well, Creighton has now, for I'm not counting Co, but two games in a row, Green Bay and Oklahoma, Davion Mintz has been assigned to the top perimeter score for mm-hmm. both of those games. And he wasn't always perfect, but I thought he did some things to bother those scorers. And so... Yeah, man, I I do I th- I see progress from him in terms of just on the ball defense and moving his feet and being in position. He drew an offensive foul on Christian James, Oklahoma's top scorer, in the second half of that game that I thought was really impressive. Um, just beat him to the spot. Oh, and 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 James pushed off. And that's his strength as a defender too, because I don't think if we can just compare him to his predecessor in Kyrie, he's not. He's not a great, he's not an anticipation guy. He's not a length guy, but he's really good at staying in a stance and moving his feet. That's the thing is, he like got to be in a stance. Yeah. And then, positional uh, defense. He's really yeah. Good. And then the other thing was just being active with the hands mm-hmm. and tracing not, and yeah, all that. Yeah. Not, not just sitting there when <laughs> you're trying to defend. Um. So and and the, and the other thing too that I think he does is like I think he can take away space. Um. So like just for some, here, so here's some insight into what you're about to say. So what they work on a lot is taking away space on their closeouts. They like to get up, get a hand up, and take away the space of the shooter. But they also have to, you know, follow the ball, and you have to get back into your stance and kind of backpedal a little bit, give them space so you're not giving up a drive. So the drill is that they do every day is the closeout is like a hard closeout to the perimeter, hand up, contest the shot, ball comes down, then you have to backpedal a couple feet. You have to, like, be... You know, you have to be able to cover ground back and forth yeah. quickly. I, he does that better than anybody on the team. Yeah, that's so right. that's like kind of what we're talking about is right. taking away space, but also not compromising yourself for a drive to the rim that results in a foul that gets into the free throw line. All the things they don't like to give up defensively. And my so. thought is, is that now Davion Mintz is a junior, but I wonder if his teammates will look at that and say, okay. Now, th- so I guess my point is they weren't around when he was a freshman. And right. how much I mean, he's grown immensely as a defender. But maybe um, some of the guys can see some like, his level of commitment, how much pride he's taken in it, and in how much pride in it he is taking, and if that can rub off on them. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things about Kyrie Thomas that I thought was interesting was that he was an example setter on defense, but I don't. I feel like a lot of players were just sort of. I don't taking think we taking. Yeah, that's like I don't. I can't do that. Yeah. Kyrie you know, will do he that. Is I so was good. Bonus, yes. I like yeah. like I can't emulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got it covered. I just have to make sure I don't be yeah ter- screw, screw up terrible too bad. right because yeah. Kyrie is our guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in 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 some respect, it is like having a great go to score offensively. Yeah. You just them do what they do, and you kind of just like try to get out. Of, it's try just not a get consequence the way, yeah. of it. That mm-hmm. I don't I don't even know how you strike the right balance, but you know you don't want to become too reliant on that individual because then other guys aren't progressing the way that they need to progress, and so. But in terms of following the lead, you know, a competitive guy like Marcus certainly can that's learn the one from guy it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, and, and, and to I another extent, I think Tyshawn showed a great ability last year to bother people. I remember in the Big East tournament. 
What? He made Kyron Cartwright's life miserable a few possessions late yeah. in that game. And so didn't, like, he have, didn't he get switched on against Villanova in that game late? He didn't get switched on Jalen Brunson at times in that game. I in the one he, in Omaha? Yeah, in Omaha. I thought he had a guard with Brunson. I'm I would, wrong, I would, I would, I would be shocked if Kyrie did not go. For <laughs> no, it's <laughs> a switch. I would be shocked if Kyrie let him switch on to Brunson. But um, well, yeah, maybe, maybe he did um, play late in that game though, didn't he? Touch oh yeah, they, all the young guys were in that late in the game. Anyway, sure. anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would be very. Shocked he's got, the, he's got the ability to do it too, mm-hmm. and so, um, it's, yeah, I, I think, I thought that the energy and the effort was there against Oklahoma. I think there were times when they just got beat because Oklahoma had more length and more. They just made good moves and they got some one-on-one players that can beat you at times. And I think Creighton's not going to win one-on-one battles at times. They don't have Kyrie Thomas. I think they're going to have to. They're just sometimes they're going to have to live with that. Is even well, though I'm sure, losing a one-on-one battle. Yeah, yeah. even though yeah. I'm sure to the no, coach, in right. the coach's mind they're going to be like, no, 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 we can't let that be something that's part of our identity or our DNA, but. I just think I think I think I think the coaches will be fine with this team defensively if they're in the right position. I think that that's going to be paramount for this. I think that's like the main okay. focus. Like I don't think they think they have any Kyrie Thomas level stoppers on this group. So like they're not going to look for someone to reach that ceiling, that level. But if they're in the right position and they get scored on, they're not going to be in guys, you know, they'll just be like, look, they just hit a shot. So, you know, yeah. don't let it get you down. Do the and they haven't always game. been in the right position. Right. That's so the, yeah, that's the closeouts have been short. Like, we talked about all that. Yeah. After, you know, there have there there's not, not – it hasn't always been to that level, like, where you can feel good about everything you did, even if they get right. it still. And so. it's, it's like twofold. It takes energy, and it also takes focus. Right. And there have been games where they've had the energy and not the focus. There have been games when they, they feel like they've had focus, but they're not having the energy. Mm-hmm. And so um, finding a way to apply both of those ideas, I guess, mm-hmm. that's the next challenge. I feel weird talking about the bigs because they played such a small team tonight. But do, can we assess maybe Christian Bishop's... Uh, short-term increase in playing time, I guess, because there's kind of a question mark now all of a sudden over Jacob Everson's availability going forward. Um, so Bishop is going to get a chance here. I think so, yeah. Um, obviously, Froling will get more minutes as well, but uh, what do we think about what Christian's done so far and maybe some of his strengths and then also some of the things that probably need to be shored up in the short term? For him to have more of an impact, you know what I what noticed, what jumped out to me today was his communication. I thought um, he did a good job of calling out screens. This was in the second half because he was right in front of us, mm-hmm. um, on that side of the floor. So that that was interesting to me. I mean, obviously you, you have to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just like sort of part of it. But I thought he was loud and assertive with it. Um, which can be tough sometimes for a freshman just because there's so much running through your mind. And um, and I know that the coaches have been – they've talked to him a lot about being a good communicator. It's very important uh, in any defense, obviously. But um, I, I, that was one thing that stood out to me. Because I, I already know he's physical inside and he can score if you get him the ball on the block. And um, I think – the more that he plays, the more the game will slow down for him, and you'll see mm-hmm. fewer. Like, didn't he bobble? A, there was one weird play where I think Marcus Zagorowski threw up a lob, but Christian didn't jump. Like, it was for a, he wasn't going up for the dunk. He was kind right. of maybe the pass was a little bit off, but it like skipped off the backboard or something. Or mm-hmm. um, that was that was just kind of to me like a moment of need more reps. And mm-hmm. there was a play against Oklahoma where. I think Zagorowski had like a pocket pass that just skipped off Bishop's fingers. I mean, it was a, it was right there, and yeah. he was. Um, it's an easy bucket if he catches. If he it. catches it, yeah. it's a bucket. But it's, I think it's just one of those things you just need more, more action and more game time. So I don't know. What do you think about Christian? I like. I do see the potential for sure, yeah. and he's going to get a shot now. I think um, he's. I think he's got a chance to do. I think his skill set will allow him to do some of the things that Justin Patton was able to do 
I'll just say I, he's not a great passer like Justin was. I don't know if he handles it as well as Justin, and he definitely does not shoot it as well. Um, but in terms of like being a quick twitch athlete that can get to the rim, alter shots, block shots, and go and get re- go and get rebounds. Yeah. Like he might even be ahead of Justin in that area in terms of how he can go up and get it. Uh, there was one play in practice. This was a few weeks ago, but like Christian had some ridiculous catch on a lob and dunk. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, he gets off the floor so fast he does. that you don't really... He can even do it twice. De- like, he can go up yeah. and down real quick. Yeah, as a defender, you don't really realize it. And, like, <laughs> I think it might have been Scurry. I, I, don't, I can't remember. Somebody just, like, saw it and they just, like, shook their head and they're like, he's a freak. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Um, so he has those kind of moments in practice where he just... Mm-hmm. He'll make some really athletic catches and finishes. And... Uh, I think his instincts around the rim are really good. I do too. I think uh, the area, obviously, he his perimeter defense isn't very good right now. I think he gets blown by quite a maybe every time it happens, but um, that's something he'll have to improve because if he's out there and he has to guard ball screens, that's you know that's that they're going to attack that right away on yeah. film. So, um, but I think you know he's got potential. I. Uh, I thought he was really impressive in the summer before he hurt his knee. So I don't know how much that stunted his development uh, in terms of what he can do this year. How long was he out with that? Like a month? Four weeks. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Four weeks. Um, But, I mean, I think he's got a chance to have... I think think he's got a chance to play and, and not compromise them too much so they can still have, you know relatively deep team that with a bunch of guys that can do just different things and I think you know we talked about the Jacob Sam and Martin trio as three different guys in the same position I still think Christian brings that same I, th- I think he brings that to the equation he's a different guy than Martin and Sam so I think yeah I think it's still the same kind of thing like they both they all three do different things and they all can be useful depending on how a matchup goes or how they're playing so I think that's good to have um, you know, I just, especially with like Martin coming back off what he's coming back off of, it looks like he's starting to get it together, which is really good. Which is a perfect time too with Biggie's play right around the corner. Yeah, this is like right where he started. I feel like last year making Taking it, off. Yeah. yeah, this is the time of year when he he started to get comfortable and find his rhythm. Mm-hmm. And back to back games of what he had nineteen against Oklahoma, eighteen and eleven minutes tonight. Yep. Was, well, yeah. how, how many? He had sixteen in like a. How many? He had four, five dunks tonight. Mm-hmm. Two threes. Five but, dunks against Oklahoma, so he's got ten dunks in two games. Not bad. <laughs> but we've we've been like that lob play hasn't been sharp this year, and it's starting no. to like get a little bit better. Yeah. Um, like you said, with reps. So, um, it's kind of coming back. That's good. Um, where are we at here? Thirty minutes. Um. I don't know anything about UMKC, so we can't preview that. Should we get to questions? Yeah. Okay. We didn't get a lot, obviously, but there's a couple here that might lead to some interesting conversations. Um, For the next pod, which is tonight. Surprise, Brian. Um, This is from Brian. I would be interested in your opinion on Caleb Joseph. He seems like a solid, stable player that could help the team work through some road woes. Yeah, I mean, I think we both thought Caleb was really good tonight, but also an important piece going forward. I thought we talked about him after Green Bay. Did we? Did, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he did. had the 8-0 run that changed yeah. the game. So, yeah. Just about how important he's going to be to help limit some of the workload on that's going to be and Mitch. put on yeah. Tyshawn and Mitch. And now, apparently, Davion Mintz as well. Because right. if, if they need Davion to defend and he plays a little bit more to guard, then... You know, they need someone to pick up the scoring. Though. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's going to be important. Um, you know, he obviously can shoot it. He's got. He's not perfect defensively, but he's got fight to him. You know, he he wants to be. He wants to stop guys from. He doesn't want to let guys score on him. So he's got that. He's got that attitude to him. What you know, even though it's not always perfect, but. The and and the guys listen to him too. Like the other thing, like he'll he. There's times where. You know, it's not going right in, in practice, and, you know, he gets the team together, and, you know, they listen to him. 
So he's got a voice. I think they understand the pecking order of experience, whether his – even though he's in kind of a new role too because he doesn't have a lot of playing experience, you know, he just knows – he knows what's going on. He knows what to expect. And, you know, he's an easy guy to follow because of how many years he's been in the game. So, yeah, I think he's going to be an important piece. I do. I think we both do. Yeah. Right? So – um, I like the thing I like about him. I feel like uh, in most of the games that he, where he's made an impact, he's been a guy who has. I think he's one of their better dribble drivers. Attacker. Yeah, 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 he yeah. doesn't. He hasn't always made maybe the best decisions in traffic, but no, I don't think he's. Yeah, but, but he, when he tries to go to score, I think he has really good balance. And I think there's times when Creighton's offense has hit a lull and. I've sort of been looking for somebody to just attack and get the ball into the paint and then do something, whether it's spray to find a shooter or draw a foul, um, just to sort of, like, get that rhythm back. And Creighton's offense is so potent when the ball is at the elbow or in the paint because of how many shooters are on the floor, and he's one of the guys that I think – Man, he's got that point guard in his background. He can create for others mm-hmm. if that's the mentality that he has, and and he definitely has and enough cra- quickness. You and know, burst credit to, to him too the for lane. the position switch and uh, embracing it instead of you know going the other direction with it. Because he came in as a point guard, he kept working as a point guard, and for him to go into his senior year and try a new position now, even when he knew that Tyshawn was ahead of him at that spot and. You know, and then Davion moving off ball probably led to even less chances, even fewer chances. For him to embrace that role and, you know, bring it every day and be ready when his number's called in games, I think is really impressive and, you know, yeah, something I think will be important. I think he'll win a couple more games for Creighton this year. Yeah. Uh, the Green Bay one was obviously the first, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's do if he does that a couple more times with how He's got, he's got spurtability, you know. He can get going, and well, when he gets going, he gets feeling it, and like he's yeah. And then the running, other thing know? is like with Creighton's lineup the way it is, going with four guards, Mitch will probably play more of the four at times, right? Like who's gonna who's gonna who's okay. subbing in for Damian Jefferson when he sits? Sure, that's probably Mitch, which means there's another open wing spot. So who's gonna take those minutes? Probably Caleb Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Cashaw. I guess Connor can sub in and play the four as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you're right. It is that those those guys. Yeah, Connor or Caleb. Yeah, and that, I man, I, I like I like the season that Caleb's put together, and mm-hmm. I think um, for this team to do what it wants to do and have a successful Big East season, he's going to have to be sort of like a seven point a game guy who every now and then scores thirteen. Yeah. Yep, I agree. But he had a good line tonight, even though we're not going to take much from it. You know, he was 3 or 5 from the field, 3 or 4 from 3. He knocked down two free throws. Hey! He was 2 for 2 from the from free throw line. Creighton actually hit their final four free throws of the night, so they're on a streak, technically. All right. But he had 11 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, only 2 turnovers. That's pretty good in 26 minutes. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll inflate that because of the opponent, but... Uh, next question: Can the Jays finish in the top three of the Big East? And would- oh, can, real, real quick, oh, I did. I want to say this, and I had I didn't watch a lot of Caleb because I just looked at the box score from Oklahoma. Uh-huh. So he played 14 minutes, and he only attempted one shot. Um. So that to me is like, I th- I think that if there's I don't know if it's a criticism or just like hey this is an area where he can get better is just being a little bit more consistent with his... Because you're a spark plug off the bench. Yeah. You come in and be aggressive? Okay. Right. With the, with the aggressiveness that I was talking about, right. about like really creating something for others. and so, you know, Obviously, you don't want to force it. And that's why I was saying I didn't watch... Oh, my tweet. Who's this guy? I didn't watch um, the the Oklahoma game like really zeroing in on the 14 minutes that Caleb Joseph played. It was more kind of a general when I was looking at the team, but... Um, that's just something that stands out. Because he was really impactful against Green Bay, and obviously tonight when in his time on the court. and So, yeah, that was one thing with him. Gotcha. 
Can the Jays finish in the top three of the Big East, and would that be good enough to make the dance? And we both agree on the second part is a resounding yes, right? Top three in the Big East? Is it a yes? Unless in some weird scenario, like the winner of the Big East is 11-7, and seven, oh, and third place is 10-8. You mean if there's just a bunch of yeah. mediocre, like 13 doesn't win it, something else does worse? Yes. Gotcha. So... I kind of have thought, now tell me what you think about this. For Creighton to feel safe on Selection Sunday, that it needs to go 12-6 and six in the Big East. Is that too high? Or is that... 12-6 and six in the Big East to feel safe. To feel safe on Selection Sunday. Um, what are they doing in New York? Because that's twenty-two. Yeah, that's a good question. And then, if they get, if they go twelve and six, yeah. So well, well, twelve, twelve and six would be twenty-one and ten. Yeah, so going into the no, I think twenty-two. I think they they need one one more. One in New York. Interesting. Yeah, because twelve and six. I think twelve and six, and I think the Big East is going to be the fifth best league. Fourth or fifth? Yeah, I think it'll be fifth. Fifth, because I think Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve, yeah, SEC, SEC or Big East. Probably, probably SEC. I would lean SEC. Yeah, Tennessee. They I definitely like have it, more. I feel like Tennessee is better than any team in the Big East. I feel like, I mean, Missouri just smacked the crap out of Xavier, so they're better. Yeah. Um, Auburn's good. I don't know. If I don't know. I don't know yeah. if they're the. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say they would win the Big East. Kentucky, yeah. Mississippi State's pretty good. Mississippi State is pretty good. Florida's okay. Butler v. Florida, though. Yeah. Tennessee is. I feel like would be would be the win the Big East easily. This yeah. Year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would have the SEC ahead of them. So I think the Big East is the fifth best league. So I think you're looking at, you know, I think if you want to feel safe on Selection Sunday, you got to be in that semifinal game as a 20 plus win team. Yeah. So that's double digit wins in the regular season league play and then one in that MSG. And I think if you're in that top four, you guys will. I think, I think the top four at MSG will feel pretty good on Selection Sunday. That's my opinion. I think that's how it'll shake out. Probably. Okay. Somebody's got to make the tournament. Like, I know that the Big East yeah, has... Yeah, that's, 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 that's the point you keep going back to. Yeah. I, keep, I keep texting you, like, dude, the Big East is like, look, who this team looks like bad, this team looks bad, and you're like, dude, someone's got to be in the right. field. So the Pac-12 so, is bad. Mm-hmm. The SEC is not as good as people thought. Yeah, it's not as deep uh, as people thought. Yeah, it's not sure. as deep right. as people thought. Um, and even the Big 12 isn't very deep either. So. Probably not, but they... I don't know. I think that they they probably going to get six or seven of the Big 12, mm-hmm. which is about what I had last year, right? So the Big Ten's obviously got some depth to it, and so does the ACC, but you can't. You know, one win that They're going to beat themselves up, so you're not going to get. I mean, it's hard to envision a world where both leagues have ten teams yeah. in. One win that I think might end up working out at the end of the deal is that. The win over Clemson isn't going to be like isn't going to wow anybody, but I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson's in the same conversation as Creighton at the end of the year, and that win being a trump card. Yeah, I wouldn't be true. surprised to see that. So that's um, what that's what my thought was about Ohio State going into that, but it appears that Ohio State's I, a little bit better, so they yeah. won't be on the bubble. But who knows, man? Yeah, exactly, Big Ten's going to be an animal this yeah. year, so you don't know what the, how that's going to shake out. But. I'm saying so. I'm saying twelve and six to feel comfortable. Okay, but I would. Uh, I would agree. Got to win with, some. Got to win some with on a the plus road. one. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like the one thing so I, I think you can get to twelve without having to be great on the road. I mean, I think Creighton's gotten to haven't they gotten to eleven or ten without being really good on well, the road? Well, they've been. T- I think they were ten and eight the last two years, right? Okay, and they were off on or, the road. Last or were year, they eleven so. and seven uh, in two seasons ago? I think they were ten and eight both seasons. In a, I, thought, I think you're right. Yeah. It's hard to go twelve and six in conference. That's a pretty good record, no matter what the competition level is. And it's not. I mean, like, Jesus, I think twelve and six is definitely top three, don't you? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, um, but twelve and six might win it for crying out loud. There's going to be a lot of like weird, like I don't. There's not a consistently good team, so like there's going to be, you know, Villanova's going to beat like Butler and then lose to like Seton yeah. Hall. Like it's going to happen like that. You know, it's going to go up yeah. and down a little I'm bit. I'm also not sure if Creighton can get to 12-6. In the league? Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's within yeah, the realm of possibility, but I also think so is um, 9 and 9. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. I'd put, I'd put, like, a range like that with a margin of error on th- a 3 or 4 of a lot of teams, actually. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd agree with that. It's just going to be... It's going to be hard. It's like we have to, we have to reevaluate it once it happens. Because yep. I don't know what I feel great. Well, I don't, like, St. John's hasn't played anybody, so I don't know how well they're going to play in the Big East because they haven't played any Big East caliber competition yet. Um, Georgetown, same thing. They played Syracuse, but... Um, so that's that's, that's true. They do have played. a game. Yeah, they do have one, I guess. You're right. I, uh, that I, one... Right. Well, but they played Syracuse tough last year too. Could have beat them in regulation. Same true, de- same true. deal, and it didn't. I will say that I think that one of the interesting things for this team will be if it doesn't get off to a good start in Big East play, how does it handle that? Because very, it is very, a very very important. It's a yeah, very that's, tough that's, start, and I mean, I could see a scenario where they're one and four, maybe two and three. Certainly is likely. Traditionally, possible. the schedule they're facing is very difficult. At Providence, at Butler, Marquette, Villanova at home. Yep. At St. John's, yep. that mean, could that, that could be five losses. It could be, yeah. Um, but they also it also lightens up considerably at the end. Mm-hmm. The back end, I, I can't remember. I think they finished with like four of six at well, they home. They get DePaul twice in the second half. Yeah, they, no, so, yeah. no, they get DePaul twice in the final six. Right, right. Even yeah. though DePaul's better, I'm not even sure. If, mm. You don't think so? I watched the whole Incarnate Word game last night, and uh, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Why did you do that? I don't know, because it just it was on, and I was like just sitting there. I, I should say I did watch Northwestern go 25 to nothing uh, in the second half against DePaul. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out, I, I'm really trying to figure out who the worst team in the league is. That's why. That's so that's I felt good it. about Xavier being there after they got waxed by Missouri. Because, again, I've seen Xavier like four or five times this year, and I have not been impressed one time. So I feel like I'm, I feel like they're at the bottom. I just don't know if they're at the bottom, bottom. Yeah. Ready to ready for DePaul to ascend to number nine, and I was like, yeah, DePaul. I mean, they're kicking people's butts. Like that's good. You want to if you're gonna play a crappy schedule, which DePaul has, you have to beat people convincingly, which DePaul had done so far up until last night when Incarnate Word, who if you check their Ken Palm, it looks like a bloody murder scene with all the red that's on it because of how bad their metrics are. And it was a game the whole time. Forty minutes of like, DePaul had to like fight for that ten point win. You know, I think they were up like fifteen and late in the second half when they started to stretch it out a little bit. But you know, Incarnate Word just kept hitting a three here or a bucket there. Like, it was a battle. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, if DePaul is battling with Incarnate Word, they're probably gonna get rolled by half the Big East. So, Creighton, so I don't know. Creighton in his final six games has four home games, and those four home games are Seton Hall, Georgetown, Providence, DePaul. Yeah, you feel like those are four wins. Seton Hall, right? Georgetown, Providence, DePaul have probably performed. Uh, Seton Hall maybe has performed as a top half Big East team, but I, don't, I would say that's fair. Those other three, have I'd not. even put I, in, in terms of what they've accomplished. I put Seton Hall above St. John's, even though St. John's has the better record. And Seton Hall's lost a couple games that maybe, yeah, lost to St. Louis at home. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis might be better than any team St. John's has played, though. So. Same St. Louis beat Butler, too, and we both think Butler would <laughs> yeah. have a league yeah. team, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. St. Louis might win the Big East. St. Louis? Louis in the Big East? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it's funny. They were one of the teams that were rumored to be the team. Like, I think it was down to Creighton and St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. What was the question, by the way? Uh, is, is, uh, can Creighton finish in the top three, and would that be good enough? Okay. So we've already talked about what's good enough. Can they finish? I think can they, they finish can. in the top three? I think they can. I think who is your top three? If Creighton's in it, who are the other two? And if Creighton isn't, who's the three? So yeah. both both versions. I know. I think Marquette's I feel confident confident in Marquette being in that top three. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, St. John's Villanova are the two that I'm kinda of toying. Oh, Butler. What about Butler? Yeah, see I'm going Villanova. I'm going if Creighton is in the top three, it's Butler and Marquette. And if Creighton isn't, it's Butler, Marquette, Villanova. For me. Okay. You don't believe in St. John's at all? Not one little bit. I believe you know how I feel. Yeah, I believe in Shamari Pond. I feel like that was a rhetorical question. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. I'm uh, always texting you when when St. John John gets more texts from me when St. John's is struggling than anybody else. Yeah, it's probably the reason that for for that where they're at on his ballot. Honestly, I have a lot of influence on his mindset. Like, it's just I'm so negative towards St. John's. I, they haven't played anybody and they have a good team. I don't know why Mullen scheduled that. And the other thing that made me mad, not to get too sidetracked, but last night. 
that he was asked about the schedule. And he was like, I know people criticize it. I don't care. Why do you not care? You've got – you have – you are 11 games into your season and you have no NCAA tournament resume yet. How is that possible? How yeah. are you 11-0 without a resume? It's very odd. That's, that, that's, that's not – With this team that yes, they knew they had. With the talent they have. To, you brought Shamari back and that's the thing you gave him? You didn't let him play still, against, like, Kentucky They still or, have Duke. They still have Duke. They still have Duke. They've got Duke. They play Duke every year. Yeah, I know. And Duke's going to wax them. Yeah. Because that's like two AAU teams going at it, and Duke's got better AAU players. You know what's bad? And a better coach. You know what's bad when you play that schedule and, like, you know, other teams. You have to grind your way through it. Right. That's what I was going to say. Wagner and St. John's was 29-28 at halftime. I watched that whole first half. I go, what in the world is happening? Well, I was was just thinking about how. I think of teams like Texas Tech and NC State who have played just garbage schedules uh, for the most part. Maybe they, mm-hmm. NC State at least played Auburn and beat them, and Texas Tech played Nebraska and then Duke tonight. But like otherwise, those teams have played really crappy teams, and they beat the brakes off them. Mm-hmm. And, and um, the new sorting NCA sorting metric that the NET has really responded well to those teams, but St. John's is not. No. <laughs> They it aren't. is. It's. I mean, St. John's is. Uh, well, I mean, they're Zach, probably top thirty or yeah. something. But it's, they're they're not getting the top ten love that mm-hmm. Texas Tech and NC State, and no. to a certain extent, Nebraska. Although Nebraska's schedule has been harder, much right. harder. Than oh, them. much harder. Than but them. but Nebraska has dominated teams. Yes, and it's been rewarded for that. I mean, that. Zach Brazilier, who covers St. John's, was like kind of talking up a complete performance last night out of the Johnnies, and he was like, you know, the St. Francis Brooklyn team came in averaging seventy four, and St. John's held them fifty two. I'm like, bro. They're up 297th in offensive efficiency. Points per game is like a dead stat. Like, you can't just be like, St. John's held them under their average. That team can't shoot the ball and they have no scores. Like, if St. John's didn't hold them to 50-something, it was bad. Yeah. You know, push the panic button if that doesn't happen. Like, I'm just not – like, I think, I, again, I've said this before, but I think you had the best St. John's take of the year, and I think it's going to continue to hold true. Is like St. John's is a team that, like, will not – smash anybody, they're not like overly impressive, they're not a great team, but they're going to hang around in games enough to the point where when it's time for Shamori to do stuff, he's going to do stuff because he's a special player. Yep. And they'll win games because of that. So, yep. so I think they're yes. going to win 11. So you have them in your top three is what you're saying? Yeah, I think they're going to win 11 games, but in the Big East. So you have them ahead of Villanova then? You think they're they're going to finish ahead of Because that that's, that's, that's what you're... That's very that's wild. What you yeah. said Marquette... I know that seems Saint John's crazy. That seems so. silly. That it really does sound. Does it does. Sense. It does it's, sound very. Especially silly. given like what I've seen from Villanova and how good their top two players are. They don't have a lot behind them, but those two guys. When you have seniors that are as good as Pascal and and Phil Booth are, yeah. Saint John's has fallen. I'm gonna have to sleep on this one. I'm gonna think about it. Okay. I'm wide awake on St. John's. <laughs> Last question. Uh, Ken <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll probably regret it later because John's pretty – John usually gets me every year. So, um, Can free throw shooting get so bad that Mac mandates they shoot underhanded granny style? Um, well, currently, okay. let me just say they've hit their last four, so they're currently trending in the right direction. Let's just say that. Very positive perspective. <laughs> like, I, Did it – Justin Patton jokingly practice underhand in practice. Oh, I don't know. That I don't his freshman year, I swear he did. He might have just. Yeah, I I think he was. Not that he was ever going to do it, but I just <laughs> I think he was messing around with it. Um, okay, I've never shot Granny style. Is Grant, have you shot Granny style before? No, I don't I know how like easy it is to like you know feel good about it. I guess you know what I mean. Like shots are. About feel and touch and muscle memory. Yeah, I feel like you could go way short, way you long. See that ESPN sometimes. did like a basketball love story about the free throw shot, and they interviewed the player. I don't remember his name. The player who um, had the record for most free throws made in an NBA game, and he didn't shoot underhanded. But they kind of like talked about his mentality versus like Shaq or something. No, no, versus uh, Rick Barry. Oh, who shot under? Who shot under? Okay. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. I think it's more of just like a mentality and a muscle memory thing more than anything else. But mm-hmm. the physics of you throwing it underhand wouldn't that suggest that it 
would be easier to replicate that more consistently? I don't know. So? I don't know. I've never really shot granny style. Like, I've never even tried. Me neither. So I don't know what it feels like. I don't know if it feels better or not. I wouldn't even know. Because what's the rotation like? Do you have to, like, spin it? I don't think you would want to like, spin it back. It, okay. I don't think you would do that. Because that would might be easier if you miss front iron, you could rebound it, probably, because it comes back to you, doesn't True. it? True. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know. But I don't foresee... <laughs> I don't foresee Mac allowing his players to shoot underhand. I think with the way he can tweak, like we said, like we alluded to earlier, with the way he can tweak shots on the fly, he's more apt to, to um, fix their current mechanics oh, rather than, say, just shoot Granny or something. Did I say Rick Perry or Rick Barry? I don't know what I said earlier. You definitely Perry. said Rick Barry. Okay. Did you mean Rick Perry? No. Because that was not right. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to oh, Are I'll you looking up, up uh, his mechanics right now? Uh, yeah, I wanted to see if he... Um, this will be good for the podcast. Well, <laughs> actually watch this video to see if it's a good style or not. Yeah, well, I just want to see... like yeah, if, you like an ad block. You got that Verizon nonsense out of there. Rep, if we can like recreate this situation here. And it's 88% from the line. Oh, he was very good. There's and, no, I mean, he his, he had the style that worked for him. For so, sure. uh, no, no one would ever do this because it's... It, Look at the aesthetic of it, right? Right, yeah. There's definitely backspin though. Yeah, he there's some backspin on there. And the other thing too is he's got a look at that the bounce. And the ball and his hands are on top of the yeah. ball too. That's weird. Yeah. Um we might have to can we experiment with it ourselves and then get back to you that's, on that? That's that's a good question. We should know. we should look at that. Yeah. Um, we'll film the results for you so you can watch the experimentation in in real time. And Maybe we should do a special for Creighton players shooting underhanded free throws and see if they're better. That's a great. That we should have them experiment. Yeah. And uh, we just like make like a New Year's little. So I was looking up Robbie Hummel, a former Purdue player, who uh, had a also had a unique free throw shooting style that he I think he learned from some Valparaiso guru or something, but I can't find it. So mm. sorry for that sidebar, but I think there's another. Well, you said it, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> Joakim Noah had a weird one that was decently accurate for a big man. Well, he had like a sidewinder. He almost threw like a backdoor slider. I don't know how to explain it. Can Creighton shoot? The bottom line is can Creighton shoot <laughs> man, free throws yeah, from the three-point line? That's, oh, that's really, the, You know what? That's yeah. the best theory right there. That's Back the, up. Can, can they do that? You shoot threes so much, like just back up. I think, What's the barrier like? Right. Do you have to be what inside the three point line, but past the free throw. What would like, happen if, yeah, you know, Tyson Alexander steps to the free throw line and then you just step back to the three point line and said, "I'm gonna shoot it from here." Right. Would he be punished for that? I, I don't know. Why would you be punished for that? Like, do you have to toe? I don't think you have to toe the free throw line, do you? There's guys who like back off of it a couple feet sometimes. There's definitely guys who do that because yeah. I think they get made fun of when they do it. Yeah, because it's like, why would you step yeah, why further you away? Yeah, exactly. Lower percentage shot, and then Creighton's like, uh, actually, no. like, no, actually, we the further away we are, the better we are. <laughs> and tonight that was uh, almost true. No, it was true. Creighton was sixty percent from three and fifty percent from the line. So they might actually even ask for some, like a defender to step up. Like, they're, they're just like kinda, they you stand at the free throw line and we'll like stand two feet back and just like put a hand up. <laughs> Not two, but one, you know? A lazy contest, maybe? Right. Yeah. That's a pr- I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> For the defender, though, so they can get the violation. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if a defender will willingly commit that violation. Um, yeah, I... No, we don't have the answer to that, the free throws, just yet. I mean, in all All I can say, like yeah, I said, all I can say, they've hit bit. four in a row, so they're on a, they're on a good... St- Marcus, Marcus went two for two at a trip. Caleb went two for two at a trip, so that's two straight trips... Of not missing free throws, which is positive. I think that. I guess my what I would be curious to see is if it, like mentally, if all they need is just to have a couple games where they, where first off they have to do it, but if they're able to do it, if that is just what solves it, you okay. know what I'm saying? If they go, because uh, I think twelve or fifteen. 13 of 14 in back-to-back games, if that's enough to... Because they're good... It really doesn't make sense. They're good shooters. Yeah. They make it with... 
with the I do think I do think it's a focus thing though. So I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that sentiment that if they just need a couple good games, because I think a couple good games could bring up some more bad habits. <laughs> like if you get too comfortable with it, I do think. It's, yeah, I think can, it's. I think it's something that they have to focus on constantly. Yeah, because you can make the argument that they did have those couple good games right. earlier in the year, and they yeah. seem to be trending in a good, or at least an encouraging direction, and then mm-hmm. it plummeted again. So yeah, now it's why they coyote off the cliff. Right yeah. Now. How do we just talk for an hour about? Yeah, we did not. Oh my god, this might be the long. How did we do that? Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody! An hour-long podcast. Uh, well, you're gonna have a lot of time to listen to it because they don't play again until December 27th. So, and they don't practice again until well, they're practicing tomorrow morning, but I don't expect that to be very heavy. Um, and then they'll come back Christmas night like they always do. So, this will tide you over for a few days while everybody has a good holiday. Hopefully, everybody's safe and sound and enjoys the family, gets some good loot. What are you getting? What are you getting, uh, Mrs. for Christmas this year? I cannot say that on this. She podcast. listens to the podcast. Thanks, Megan. All right, we got one listener. Yeah. One. What do you get? Contract- does the dog listen? What does, that, does Alex Mack listen to the podcast? My wife is contractually obligated to listen to. Oh, really? Like that was in our vows. I think. Uh, I don't remember that part of the wedding. I was, was it later in the contract when yeah, you signed the wedding? When we signed the wedding. Certificate. There's also a sub. Contract that you made her sign twice. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your vows to me, and then there's that she'll read all my content, read my stuff, yeah. um, and and listen to every word that I say. Okay, sounds like a good marriage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but are you going? Are you going on time for Christmas at all? Going home? Yeah, I'll visit the family in okay. Indiana for a few days. That'll be fun, and then. We'll be back here. Are you driving? Is the weather going to be good and everything? I don't know about the weather. We are driving, so... Okay, so you better hope the weather's good. Though. Right. Yeah. Uh, taking the Prius in the snowstorm right now? I've, I've taken the Prius in many a snowstorm. Wow. And Battle tested, not, it? Yeah, it's not ideal. No. Definitely do not want to do that. <laughs> would not advise that. Uh, yeah. It, um, I drove in it through a snowstorm in Kansas with the, with the Prius, and I can tell you that it, it felt like... Um, felt like ice skating in a in a car. Oh my god, that does not sound no. ideal at all. It was not good. Felt like ice skating in a car. Holy shit. Yeah. Um. Well, hopefully you get a safe trip this time. No, I. So Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to your missus. Merry Christmas to your little pup. How old is Alex Mack? Alex Mack is probably about eight or nine. We got another really? pup too. Uh, Did you really? Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy folks. Yeah. What's it look like? What kind of dog is it? He's like a lab mix, uh, kind of part whippet. You familiar with a whippet? Okay, yeah. Sort of like a small, skinny greyhound. Right. Um, so he's about 40 pounds. Okay. Does Alex Mack like him yet? I would say the answer to that question is. To be determined. You look like you're not ready to no. one way or the other. <laughs> Alex Mack tolerates his existence. Is he a puppy? No. Well, he's young. You know, he's about two, okay. two years old. But so there's a there's a generation hard, there's a generational gap. There. Right. He had a hard life, so I think that there's definitely a genera- generational gap. They have kind of a, um, I think they might have sort of a Shaq Kobe relationship, where they just that's not going to be no. It's it's going to end poorly at some point. Okay. But right now they like. <laughs> In their mind, they're winning championships, so it's fine. It's going to end with Alex Mack opening the gate and letting it run away. Yes. I don't know what happened. Right. <laughs> but you can tell there's friction. Okay. Well, um, so you're, are you going to leave them alone when you go out of town then? We have a... You a, a dog, so you mean go over and watch them? We've got a dog, so you're okay. coming over. But yeah, if you want to come over as well. I have a German Shepherd and a little like poodle mix, so I mean... What's their dynamic? It's quite a cultural little... Theirs is like cool. They're, they're, oh, they're, they're... Yeah, the German Shepherd's about nine, the poodle's about 14, that acts four... So, so they're they're like the German Shepherd, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant, huh? or Steph Curry and Draymond, maybe. Yeah, that's pretty good. And they don't Draymond as much. They're not they're not very aggressive. Oh, okay. They're aggressive towards the neighbor. So the German Shepherd is Draymond towards the neighbor dogs. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that'll be yeah. If you want to bring them over, we can just have a, you know I'll just have a party for Christmas. I'm not going out of town. So, uh, yeah. Merry Christmas, to everybody else. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again December 27th after UMKC. Until then, you know where to go for all your Jays coverage. Omaha.com for Johnny Atawa's stuff. Buy a newspaper. 
subscribe. Are you guys changing up any deals at all? So it's still six ninety nine a month, right? Yeah, ninety nine cents for your first month, sixty nine, six ninety nine after that. A sports only package, so that's the deal. Cool. Um, and then white and blue review for this podcast for practice reports, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, we'll probably have you've got. Did you write a gamer for this? I'm not writing a gamer for this. You did not write a story off this. <laughs> Flat out, not. don't look for my gamer for this game. That's funny. Not writing one. I wrote about three-point shooting. Okay. I think there's a, a nugget in there. Spoiler. So I'm going to write a notebook tomorrow after I, practice. There's that's a my, nugget in there about Creighton's reliance on the three. They Being a thing? Well, they're shooting. They're, they have, say we could go back decades for that. Well, no, no, no. Just that right now... The percentage of points that's come from behind the three-point oh, line okay. is higher than any. It's on track to be higher than any season under Greg McDermott. Gotcha, gotcha. So they are they're relying on the three more so than they have been. Part of that, I think, is a trend. In a trend basketball, in basketball, yeah. but it's also this team. I think that's pretty clear with this group that they are going to have to hit threes. Gotcha. They're so pretty good at shooting threes. They are. You know, I mean, they just set a tonight. All kinds of records doing it tonight against Poor Cole College. So, um, yeah. So check out that one because John's got that coming up. Is it up already? Mm-hmm. It, he thinks so. Maybe he gave me like kind of a non-committal nod. It's up. It's up. He thinks we've it's been up. talking for an hour. Of course, it's up. I sent that story in three days ago. Well, I don't know if your editor's asleep at the wheel. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> maybe they already went. And they already left for Christmas. Maybe Creighton set a record. Twenty twenty-two made. Three pointers. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you feel about that at all? We should no, were, no. That we, was not going well for you. We, You're like, I hey, better not set it tonight because the villain. We might have set a record for the um, uh, the amount of like tangents. Yes. N- tangents of nonsense that we yeah. have embarked on on this podcast. So we got five percent left on this battery that's currently <laughs> recording us. I feel like this is a good point for us to wrap it up. Agreed. So yeah, we gave you over an hour. Hopefully, most of it's good. And you listen next time as well. Merry Christmas, everybody.